I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that love. Amen. It looked past all my faults, all my failures, and sent us his son just because he loved us. Amen. So good to see you in God's house this evening. The title of my message this evening is The Rule of Life. It'll be taken from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Before I pray, it says this, And whatever you do, in word and in deed, do it in the name of the Lord and to glorify Him. And if there was ever a rule of life that we could follow, I believe this is one of them. Amen. That in everything we do, in word and in deed, we should do it to glorify Him. How many of you want to glorify Him? Amen. Then we need a rule of life. And that's what I'm going to look at this evening. Uh, before I go to prayer, I just... The Lord has just been keeping me, the Holy Spirit has been keeping me on this old man, new man thing. Um, that's kind of what we're going to look at this evening, this, this rule of life and how it applies to the new man that has been made available to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time and then we'll get into the word. Father God, we just thank you for your love that is so deep. Uh, I thank you, Father God, that you don't hide yourself from us, God, but that you have revealed yourself to us. And because of that, Father God, we can love you. And we do this evening. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this place. And we confess our need for you, God, uh, tonight as we always do. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your presence. I need your strength, your wisdom, your truth, your anointing. <clears throat> and so do your people, God. We confess our need for you, and we covet, Lord God, your presence and your Holy Spirit. So fill this place, Father God, with your spirit tonight, and let us receive your word with gladness in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know without a government, a land cannot survive? Uh, when a people, when a culture, when an organization, when a nation, or any kind of other structure has no rule, they can't survive. They can exist. But they can't survive. And I don't know about you, but I want to do more than exist. I want to thrive and I want to survive, especially as a Christian. But the reality is when a society has no rule of life, like we're talking about tonight, uh, to live by, that body or that individual, that society becomes nothing more than or experiences nothing more than anarchy and lawlessness in their midst without a rule of order or a rule of life. A people will devolve into chaos, and the people will devolve into corruption. And the same holds true for the body of Christ as well. And every individual that calls themselves a Christian, the reality is if a body of believers call themselves Christians, they must have a rule of life. And if they don't have that, they, just like any other society and any other body, will devolve into chaos and corruption. You as an individual, if you do not have a rule of life established over your soul, if you don't have a rule of life that is attached to the new man that we've been talking about, that new man will devolve and, be, er, devolve and become no more. And the old man will once again rule and reign in our life. If you recall... The first thing God created after creating the heavens and the earth and creating man was a government. The Bible tells us that the earth was void and it was without shape. There was, no, there was no government. But once God created the earth and he created man, the very first thing that he created after that was a rule of life church. Uh, that, that Adam and Eve were supposed to live by. And, and you know this story, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot, lot of time on it, but you know that God gave Adam a rule of life to live by and basically told Adam, as long as you follow this rule, as long as you live by my rule of life, everything will go well for you. You will be blessed beyond measure. You will have unfettered, unbroken fellowship with me. But in the same breath, he says, but Adam, if you break my rule of life, and you eat from that. That was the only rule that he, if you eat from this one tree, God said to Adam, and break my rule of life for you, things won't go well with you. Actually, the Bible says that God said to Adam, you will surely perish. And I want to look at that word perish a little bit later to give you a real understanding of what God said there and where God uses the word perish again. So just keep that word perish in mind. But how many of you know that when you don't, according to the word of God, when we do not abide by the rule of life, if we don't have a rule of life established in our life, guess what? Things won't go real well for you. 
Some of us has been in that place where we have uh, rebelled against God's rule of life, when we have failed to establish or walk by a rule of life, and things have not gone too well for us. I've been there, and if you're honest with yourself, most of you would say that you've been there too. How many of you know what happened when Adam did not follow the rule of life? Things didn't go well for him. Things didn't go well for Eve, and things won't go as well for us either. And that's why I'm bringing you this word. The truth is, if you have no rule of life or a governmental structure established in your life, your life will devolve into corruption and chaos as well. Without a rule of life, you will end up, like I said, with anarchy and a people or a spirit of lawlessness that rules and reigns in your life. It's why last week I spoke to you about guarding your heart. And it's why tonight I want to bring you this word on a rule of life, because according to scripture, it tells us that many will say to the Lord on that day, Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, or Jesus, Jesus, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do great and mighty things in your name? And again, we're going to look at this in your name thing later as well and bring it all together. But I will say to them that spoke these words, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness, the Bible says. You who did not have a rule of life established over your soul. You see, it's one thing to call yourself a Christian. It's one thing to say that I am part of the family of God. But it is another thing to have the rule of Christ's kingdom As authority over your life. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. The rule of life is God's kingdom rule that is supposed to be applied to our life. And it's what we are supposed to follow. When the children of Israel were brought out of the land of bondage, when they were brought out of the land of Egypt. I'm just giving you some background to what I want to teach you tonight. One of the very first things God did, just like he did with Adam and Eve, when he placed them in their, in their so-called promised land or in their garden of Eden. One of the first things God did with the children of Israel when they brought them out of bondage was to create a government for their life. He called it the word of God was the law of Moses. He created a government for his children when they came out of bondage. He created a governing authority to which they, as his children, were to be yielded. Uh, he created a government that, which, that, that he, as their children, were supposed to be accountable and follow. He created a rule of life by which they were to live, and they wanted... It created a rule of life that they were supposed to live by, which was completely different from the rule of life that they had seen around them in the land of Egypt. You see, the land of Egypt had a completely different rule of life. This world out there has a completely different rule of life compared to the the rule of life that God gives to us. And when the children of Israel came out of the land of bondage and out of the land of Egypt, God created a government and a new rule of life. Uh, and, and they wanted to, if they wanted things to go well for them, this is what they were supposed to follow. Remember, God said to them also, behold, today I place before you a blessing and a curse. Things will go well for you if you follow my rule of life, but things will not go well for you if you don't follow my rule of life. And I'm just giving you a foundation as to where I'm going, church. And the reality is, when we are born again into newness of life, just the same way, like we've been talking about over the last few weeks, when I talk about the old man and the new man, the new man is the born again man. The new man is the individual who has been born again and has a new spirit birthed within him. But when we are born again into newness of life, God gives us a new governing authority as well in our life, just as he did with the children of Israel. And it's why God tells us when we are born again that we are to, we are to, to be yielded to the spirit. So that we don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. God reminds us when we are born again that there are two governing authorities that want to take place, uh, have rule in our life. I talked about that last week. It's why we're to guard our heart. But, But I want you to understand that there are two governing authorities that are going on here. And what we have to do is we have to yield to the governing authority of Jesus Christ. We have to yield to the governing authority of the Holy Spirit. We have to yield to the governing authority of the Word of God. And when we do things will go very well and we will be blessed. But when we don't, things won't go well and we will not be blessed, church. 
In Ephesians 5.8, Paul says, You used to be children of darkness, but now you are children of light. You used to be children of darkness. You used to belong to a different kingdom, Paul was saying to the Christians. You used to uh, have a different set of rules that you lived by. You used to have a different ruler in your life. You used to serve a different king and serve a different kingdom. But now that you are children of light... I want you to remember that you ought to live like children of light. Now that you've been brought out of darkness into God's glorious light, you need to act that way. You need to live that way. You need to dress that way and talk that way. You need to, your life needs to reflect the fact that I now belong to a new kingdom and I have a new set of rules that I live by. I've got a new road map that I travel. I've got a new instruction manual that I apply to my life so that things can go well with my soul and things can go well in my marriage and things can go well in my finances and things can go well in my family. You see, the reality is, God said, or Paul said, you used to be this way. You used to belong to this kingdom of darkness, but because of the work of Jesus Christ, you've been brought out of that kingdom and you've been placed into another kingdom. And as soon as I placed you in that kingdom, just like I put my children in the promised land and gave them a new government and a new rule of life, I'm giving you one too. And you need to live by it if you want things to go well with you. You have to live by a new set of rules, or you need to live by a new rule of life. I hope you understand, like I said, that the old man and the new man play by different rules. The old man cheats. The old man lies. The old man does things crooked. The old man connives. The old man operates by a different set of rules. The old man will do whatever he has to do to get ahead. He'll trample on anybody that he has to along the way. The old man does whatever he has to to satisfy me, myself, and I. The old man and the new man operate by a completely different set of rules. They march to a different drumbeat. They yield to a different authority. They answer to a different leader. You see, the reality is a Bible-believing saint doesn't answer to the devil. The Bible-believing believer doesn't answer to Satan, doesn't answer to darkness. They're not associated with that. They should have nothing to do with that. They, they march to a different drummer. They sing a different song. They dance a, a different dance. They, they talk a different talk. They, they dress a different dress. You understand what I'm saying, church? The old man and the new man play by different rules. They have a different rule of life. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us. It's why Paul said, listen, it's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.14, What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You can't get farther apart than darkness and light. You can't get farther apart than an unbeliever to a believer. And when a believer is yoked with an unbeliever, you're in dangerous territory. I want you to understand that you can't get farther apart, church, than righteousness and unrighteousness. You can't get farther apart than Christ and Belial. You can't get farther apart, church. And, and, and what we need to understand is that there is nothing in common with any of them. And it's why we have to understand that there is a different set of rules. You can't, the new man can't live like the old man. He must operate by a new set of rules if, if the new man wants to do well. If the new man wants to have a good testimony, if the new man wants to grow and be strong and be light and be salt, the new man has to operate by a new set of rules. You see, the reality is when you get saved and born again and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you've got to take that worldly manual and tear it up and put it in the grave with the old man as well. 
You see, but the problem is, and I've talked about it and preached it before, we put the old man in the grave, but we live by the same manual. We put the old man in the grave, but we operate by the same rules. And the reality is, if you want to be free from the old man, you got to put his manual in the grave with him. you got to put his workbook in the grave with him. you got to put his rules of life and his ways of life in the grave with him. And you got to get out a new manual and a new rule of life, which is the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and you have to establish that in your life. There is nothing in common with, with Belial and Jesus Christ. So Paul said, live like children who belong to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God. The old man belongs to an old kingdom, church. It is a kingdom that is passing away. It is a kingdom that is destined for destruction. It is a kingdom that is filled with darkness. But the new man, let me stress it, belongs to a new kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. It is a righteous kingdom and a holy kingdom. And its king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And its prince is Jesus Christ. And they must become our new authority. It's what Paul is trying to teach us, church, in this passage. Remember again, when the children of Israel were brought out of bondage, God said the same thing to them. When you enter into the promised land, and he said this more than one time in Scripture, but in Deuteronomy 1, 8, and again in Joshua, and several times in Deuteronomy, you'll find it again in Numbers. But but the word of God to his people was, when you enter into this promised land, which would become their kingdom, you know that. When you enter into the promised land, God said to his people, be careful, be very careful to obey all that I have commanded you and do not deviate from it and things will go well for you. Be careful to observe the commands that I have given to you and do them. And when you do things will go well for you. Be careful to follow my new rule of life. Egypt might have done things this way. Pharaoh might have done things this way. The people of Egypt might have lived this way and acted this way and dressed this way and talked this way and celebrated this way. But you now belong to a new kingdom and a new authority. You have a new ruler in your life and this now is the way that I expect you to live. Be careful to follow my new rule of life because you're entering into a new kingdom. You see, I hope you realize, even though we're here on earth, we belong to a new kingdom, church. We're, we're just passing through. This, this isn't our kingdom here on earth. And, and yet so often we unpack our bags and we pitch our tents here and we get comfortable here and we, we throw our affections here. But we're just passing through. This is a temporary place, this earth. This, this place that we live is a temporary place. But, but we're about to enter a new kingdom, the Bible says. And he says, be careful. While you're here to observe all that I have commanded you, be careful to do what I've asked you to do. Be careful to to apply and 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 establish a rule of life so that you will not perish, church. And we're going to look at that word perish in just a minute. Understand the new man has new rules for his new life, new rules for his new life. And the word of God tells us to remember those. God said, he he didn't just say, remember them when you enter into the promised land. He said, be careful to teach them to your children. He said, be careful to speak of this new rule when you rise up in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you walk along the way. He said, be careful to to bind this new rule to to your hands and to, to put it on the frontals of your forehead as a reminder. A reminder of what? A reminder of the fact that I'm no longer in Egypt, but I'm in part of a new kingdom. A reminder that I've come out of darkness and now I'm in the glorious light. A reminder of the fact that I've got a new a, a new Savior and a new Lord and a new King in my life. A reminder of the new rule that has been established for me. That's why God wanted him to do all those things. You see, teach them to your children. And, and I'm saying all that for a reason, because as Christians, born again, we're children. And as children need a, a structure for living and a rule for life, so do we as born-again believers, church. 
The new man has new rules for his new life. Unfortunately, like I said just a moment ago, the problem with far too many Christians today is that they have not established a new rule for living. They come to the altar. They hear the word of God and praise God for it. They respond to the word of God and they they confess their sins and they they believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times it stops right there. A lot of times they do not establish a new rule of living and they, they, they just continue to act like the old man because they've got the old manual and they're not living like a new man. But, but we need to understand that there is a new rule of life that we must apply. There's a, a new rule of life that we have to be yielded to. A new governing authority in our life to which we must obey. And the problem is far too often we listen to the old king. Far too often we listen to the old ruler. Far too often we listen to the old rebel man that I talked about a few weeks ago. And it's why we're not blessed, church. You see, I hope you understand. We can't ignore the rule of life that God gives to us and expect anything to go good. We can't ignore the rule of life that God has given to us and then get mad at him when things fall apart in our life. And so often we do that. We get mad at God. And we have to realize that if we want things to go well with us, we have to apply this new rule of life, church. The reality is far too many new Christians fail to erect a proper support structure for this new man to cling to. For this new man to hold on to. For this new man to, to, to grab onto and climb on in his spiritual growth process. Far too often when we get born again, we fail to erect this, this support structure that will lead us and guide us and, and direct us along life's way. Far too often we fail to establish a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We don't have anything that we can be grounded on. Nothing that we can hold to and cling to. And I want you to understand that's this church. We have to have this established in our life. We must have the Word of God established in our life. This is the trellis that you might say that we hold to. This is the trellis that we cling to. This is the trellis that, that, that guides us and leads us and directs our spiritual growth process. And without this trellis of truth in our life, guess what? We won't grow. We'll flop around on the ground. And we will never grow up. In Christ, we will never grow up in the things of God. We will be this this vine that's supposed to be bearing good fruit. And yet it's all rotten on the ground because we've not established a a trellis, a, a support structure in our life, which is called the word of God or the spirit of God. Listen, when you plant a new vine like a tomato, I don't know how many of you are farmers and grow tomatoes, but I know down here in the south, probably everybody's got a tomato plant in their backyard. But you know as well as I do that a vine needs a support structure to cling to. It needs a support structure to hold on to. It will wrap its little uh, vines around that thing and it will grow and it supports the, the fruit of that vine. And if it doesn't, it, it, you know as well as I do, if that support structure is not there, it will just grow on the ground. And the, and the fruit becomes rotten instead of ripe. You're not going to pick very much Good fruit from a tomato vine or a fruit bearing vine that needs a support structure. It'll rot. And the same thing happens to us spiritually. If we do not have a support structure, a rule of life that will guide us and a rule of life that we can cling to when we're in the middle of a mess. Listen, this world will throw all kinds of junk at you. It will it will put you in positions where you better make the right decision. And if you don't have, if you don't have a right support structure to hold to and cling to when it's time to make that decision, when it's time to take that step, when it's time to determine, do I go here or do I go there? Do I stop? Do I go? Do I stand still? If you don't have that support structure to direct you, church, guess what will happen? You'll flop around on the ground. And your fruit will be rotten instead of ripe. No one will be able to pick from you and eat from you. You'll be a laughing stock, basically. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute as we continue on. But listen, the new man needs a new rule of life, needs a support structure to grow on and cling to. 
This is what Paul is trying to teach us in so many of the passages that we're going to look at. The Latin word, to give you a better understanding, the Latin word for rule is regula, which means to do on a regular basis. It means to train up regularly. The Word of God tells us that we're to train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they're not, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. So what the Bible is teaching us, church, it means that on a regular basis, we are to teach our children how to grow. It means on a regular basis, we are to instruct them in God's rule of life. It means that a child who is, an inf- who is an infant, remember I told you a couple weeks ago, you don't have to teach a child how to be bad. You don't have to teach a child. Nobody had to teach you and I how to lie, cheat, and do all those other things. Nobody had to teach us. But, but, but as a, a child has to be instructed and taught, so does the new man. Because when we're born again, like I said, we're born again as an infant. In order for us to grow and mature properly, we too need to be taught on a regular basis the things of God. We need to be taught on a regular basis and trained on a regular basis the rule of life, which is the Word of God. On a regular basis, you and I need to be in the Word. On a regular basis, we need to be learning and and being instructed in the ways of God and the things of God so that it can go well with us. It amazes me how many people think they can make it through their Christian life without this. It amazes me how many people fuss and complain when things aren't going well for them, and you'll ask them, when's the last time you read, or when's the last time you were at Bible study, or when's the last time you went to church, or when's the last time you were using or establishing a support structure, a godly support structure in your life? You'd be amazed at how many people will answer that in a way that, that, that automatically gives away why things aren't going well with them. Church, and, and what we need to understand is that on a regular basis, we must establish this rule of life in our lives. We've got to do the same, just like we do it with a child, we've got to do it with the new man as well. The Word of God, like I said, is our trellis. The Word of God is the thing that we cling to and hold to, and without it, we won't do well. Understand that just like a physical, with a physical birth, when you are born again of the Spirit of God, you're born as a baby. And you need a support structure as well. Proverbs 29:18 says, Without a vision, my people perish. Without a vision, without a plan or an outline for living, the Word of God says, my people will perish. That word perish, again, remember in, the, in, in Genesis, God said, if you don't follow my rule of life, you will surely perish. I'm going to look at this word perish in just a second, but it's saying without a plan or an outline for living, my people will perish. Without a life plan, without a rule of life, without a trellis, my people will perish, the Bible says. And in order to really understand this passage, you have to know what the word perish means in its original context. In the Greek and the Hebrew, I want you to understand that the word perish first means to make naked or to be exposed. It means to have your garments removed, exposing you to shame and humiliation because of your nakedness. Now apply that to the Garden of Eden. Apply that. It's the very thing that happened with Adam and Eve. They became naked. They became exposed. They were filled with shame and they were filled with humiliation because they broke the rule of God. They didn't die physically. But the word, of, the word that God used back then, perish, meant this very thing. It meant to be exposed or to be made naked. It meant to be exposed, made exposed. And it's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. And it's the same thing that will happen with you and me as well. When we do not establish a rule of life in our life as a Bible-believing Christian. Without a rule of life being established in your life, you will surely perish, God said. It is an absolute It is not something that might happen. It is something that will absolutely happen. God is not a man that he should lie. I want you to understand that when God speaks to you, everything God spoke will come to being. When he says, if you do not have a rule of life established in your life, your nakedness will be exposed. You will be exposed to shame. You will be exposed to humiliation. And the sad reality is some of us have been there. 
Some of us have been in that very place. We call ourselves Christians and we call ourselves saints and we call ourselves Bible believing believers. And yet somewhere in our life we have, we have taken down and ignored this rule of life. And when we do, we're exposed to shame and humiliation. You see it all across the country. You see it from pastors that stand behind the pulpit. They take down the rule of life. They want it to apply out there and they don't apply it here. And their life is exposed to nakedness. Their life is exposed to shame and humiliation because they themselves did not apply a rule of life to their own life. Amen. You need to understand that when we do not apply that rule of life, we will be exposed, church. There's nothing hidden under the sun, the Bible says. Your sin will find you out. And when your sin finds you out, church, along with it comes shame and humiliation. I would much rather my sin be found out and confessed privately in a prayer closet. Like the publican who went into the temple one day to pray. And he couldn't even lift up his eyes. And he confessed his sin in private. So it didn't have to be seen by the world. Understand me, church, somewhere along the way, if we overlook this rule of life in our own personal life, shame and humiliation will catch up to us. The other, the other definition that goes along with this same to be made naked or to be made exposed, it also refers to the fact that, that a coat of arms can be removed as well. To be made naked in the same parish, this word also means to have a coat of arms removed from you, opening you to danger and exposing you to destruction. Please understand that this is your coat of arms. The rule of life is the thing that protects you from the onslaught of the enemy. The, 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 the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the truth of God is the thing that stands round about you, church, that keeps the enemy from coming in. And if you do not have this coat of arms, guess what? If you do not apply this, this rule of life to your spiritual being, if you don't guard your heart with this rule of life, guess what happens? You are exposed to danger. And you are exposed to destruction. It happened to the children of Israel on numerous occasions. And it happened to Adam and Eve, God's precious first creation. If it happens to them, it will happen to us. We have to understand that we have to, church. We have to have a rule of life surrounding us. It's what the word perish means. When he says... Without a vision, my people will perish. He's saying without a, a rule of life, you're going to be exposed to danger. Without something to guide your footsteps and something to guide your thoughts and something to guide your hands, something that keeps your feet on solid ground, something that steers you in the right direction, church, you will be exposed to things you don't want to be exposed to and cannot afford to be exposed to. The reality is a lot of us have been there, church. It's been exposed to all of those things. And when that happens, listen, what we have, first thing we've got to do is repent and say, God, listen, God, I repent because I have abandoned this rule of life that you've given to me. And now I want you to build it back up. I want you to be a hedge about me once again. I'm going to let the Word of God surround me and let your Spirit surround me and let prayer surround me and let your angels surround me. You see, God has no obligation to surround an individual that does not have a rule of life established over their soul. God, you may not like that, but God has no responsibility toward the unrighteous. He has no responsibility to protect those who fail to. Establish a rule of life over them. When you and I remove that rule of life, we ourselves remove God's covering. It's what, listen, this nation, America, has, has thrown away God's rule of life that the founding fathers ha, ha, had, had put in place for us. And, and I want you to understand that God is not the one that removes His covering. We remove it. When we remove the, the rule of life that we're supposed to live by, we remove His angels and we remove His blessing and we remove His covering and we remove His anointing and we push it aside. 
and were open and made bare and naked and exposed to destruction and devastation. And it's why Paul teaches this, because he doesn't want God's kingdom to suffer loss. Because he doesn't want God's people to suffer shame and humiliation and destruction. So he says, like I taught last week, guard your heart above everything else. And this week, he says, apply a rule of life. And whatever you do, in word and in deed, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And do it to glorify the Father. You see, we have to understand, yes, Jesus made a trade for us on Calvary. We couldn't do anything to earn that trade. He made a trade. We know which it was. The last, the last trade was the old man. He took the old man and gave us a new man. That was his work. No one could do that except Jesus, and no one could do that but God. But listen, we have a responsibility now, and that is to train up that new man in the ways of God. It is our responsibility to train up that new man. It's our responsibility to feed that new man. It's our responsibility to keep that new man well-fed and well-maintained and and well-sustained. And it's our responsibility to to teach that new man. Train up that new man in in the ways of God. Train up a child in the way they should go. Please understand what I'm saying. It is our responsibility to train up this new man in the way that he should go. So that when he matures, he won't walk away from it, church. When the devil comes against him and all hell breaks loose and everything in his life seems to fall apart, he will not depart from the truth that has been established in that rule of life that has been established in his life. When temptation comes his way... And Satan and seduction comes his way. When the world flaunts its, its loveliness in the eyes of the new man, he will not depart from it. Why? Because a new rule of life has been established over his soul. And if you don't have that, guess who will have authority over you? The world, the devil, circumstance, situation, depression, fear, anxiety, jealousy. All of those things will have control over you if the new man is not trained up in the way that he should go, church. What I want you to remember in Colossians, or or in Matthew 5, 16, actually I talked on it a little bit last week. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works or see the, the new man inside of you and glorify the Father because of it. And one of the ways that we glorify the Father, one of the ways we let our light so shine before men so that they can see the new man inside of us, goes back to my opening text in Colossians 3.17 that says, whatever you do, whatever you do, you can't get any broader than that. Whatever you do. In word and in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and do it to glorify the Father. And what I want you to remember and understand is that Paul was speaking to the new man here. Paul, was, Paul wasn't speaking these words to the old man. Paul wasn't speaking these words to the corrupt carnal man. He wasn't speaking these words to the sinful man. He wasn't speaking these words to the rebellious man. He was speaking these words to the new man and said... In whatever you do, new man, whether it's in word or whether it's in deed, I want you to do it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I want him to be glorified in it. He spoke these words to the new man, church, in whatever you do. Paul spoke these words. Understand, Paul spoke these words to the church because God at that point wasn't being glorified in that church. Their light wasn't shining like it was supposed to be shining. They weren't following the rule of life that that Paul had taught them and that that God had given to them. They were doing some weird, unrighteous things. and, And Paul had to remind them, new man, your light's not shining. New man, your salt has become saltless. New man, the world can't see Jesus Christ in you. New man... You, you've wandered from this rule of life. New man, you got to get your act together. New man, there's some work that needs to be done. New man, you better eat up. New man, you better start praying. New man, you better start fasting. New man, you understand what I'm saying? He had to wake up the new man that was in the church of Colossae because the new man had gone to sleep. And the old man started showing up again. So he said, new man. And whatever you do in word and in deed, you're supposed to do it to glorify God. He was saying, new, he was saying to the, the church of Colossae, 
You talk a good talk. You're talking a, a, a real good talk, but your, 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 your character isn't measuring up to your confession. Your lifestyle is not living up to the words that, that you speak. The, the title that you wear the, uh, uh, doesn't seem to match the life that you're living. And so he had to speak these words. He, 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 how many of you know that words are cheap? Words are cheap. It's exactly why Paul said... New man, in whatever you do in word and in deed, I want you to do it in the name of the Lord. You see, in word, woo, we can be real spiritual. In word, we can be holier than thou. In word, we can adore the Lord and, and love the Lord. In word, we can confess ourselves to be the, the greatest thing since St. Paul. But what about indeed? What about how we do business? What about how we treat our spouse? What about how we raise our children? What about how we do business? What about how, uh, how we act in the, in the conference room or in the, or in the break room? Uh, what about the, what about the, uh, the situations of life that, that, that press against us, like I taught about last week, that, that bring out the real man that's inside? You see, it's one thing to talk a good talk. But it's another thing to live it. You all, I don't know how many of you heard it, but how many of you know that your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? You see, the reality is you and I can claim to be whoever we claim to be, but if our character doesn't match our confession, something's wrong. If, if the way that we live and the way that we act and the way that we behave doesn't match up with this bold proclamation that we make, guess what? Your words mean nothing and your words have no value. I want you to understand, church, that God was more than words. He didn't just say, I loved you. He proved He loved us. He demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were sinners filled with filth, He died for us. And Jesus and God is just wanting to say, same thing. He'd rather you say nothing. I'd rather you be hot or cold than anywhere in between. If you want to live like hell, don't talk like heaven. Just go do it all. I, you know, the reality is God would rather you do that. He would rather you talk like hell and live like hell than to talk like heaven and live like hell. Because He can't use you and He can't do anything with you. At least he can turn the hellion around. But he can't do anything with that lukewarm Christian that puts on a facade and acts all holy on Sunday and lives like hell the rest of the week. Please understand what I'm trying to say. That individual has no rule of life. They're trying to, they're trying to walk the fence. They're trying to, you know, hold on to the hand of God and hold on to the hand of the world at the same time. They're trying to serve two masters, but the Bible says you can't do that. You'll either love the one and despise the other or hate the one and love the other. You can't do both because they've got nothing in common. And if you love the world, the Bible says, if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. It can't be because they got nothing to do with each other. And this is what Paul is simply trying to teach us, church. That if we are going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to come into the house of God on Wednesday and Sunday and whatever other day in between, if we're going to boldly wear that title that says I'm a born-again believer, then our life must be controlled by God's rule of life. Our life has to equal our confession, church. Because talk is cheap. I know that you've all heard this passage about in whatever you do, do it to glorify the Father probably as many times as any other scripture. But in order to understand this really, this passage, what it really means, what, what does it really mean to do something in the, the name of Jesus? I know we think that how doing something, you know, when it comes to the name of Jesus, when we come to the close of a prayer. We pray our prayer and we say, in, in, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Or I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Uh, we know that, okay? But I hope you clearly understand that there better be some power and character attached to that. 
if you dare to do that, I want you to understand that, 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 that just because you stand up there and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, don't mean the devil's got to do diddly. But please understand me, if you've got the character of Jesus attached to that confession and that word in the name of Jesus, then the devil has to respond. Then the devil has to flee. Then the devil has to bow down. Amen? I don't want to get too far off because I don't have a lot of time. But how many of you know the story about the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, verse 15? There's these seven sons of a man named Sceva who've been watching the disciples go around, cast out demons, and exercise all sorts of power in the real name of Jesus. And these seven sons of Sceva who had no relationship with Jesus began to go around trying to do the same thing. They, 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 they found an individual filled up with demons, and they go over to, in the name of Jesus, come out. Exercising in name only. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And the demons bucked up, the Bible said, and said, you know what? I know that Jesus that you're talking about And I know Paul, who you've been following about, but who are you? Who are you? I don't see no Jesus in you. I don't see no character of Christ in you. I don't see the same thing in you that I see in Paul. And I don't see the same thing in you that I see in Jesus. So I'm taking authority over you. And they jumped him and beat him up. And bruised them, and the men went running. You see, my, my point is this. To do something in the name of Jesus means a whole lot more than words. To do something in the name of Jesus means to do it in His character. You see, in the Old, in the, in the Old Testament, in Bible times, when someone was given a name, it reflected their character. Or who they had prayed and hoped that child would become. And it's why a lot of times Bible names were changed so that it would be a reflection of that individual. It's like Simon's name was changed to Peter. Upon this rock, Petros, I will build my church. It's why the name, it's why the name Jacob, the deceiver, was changed to Israel instead. And it's why the name Saul of Tarsus was changed to the Apostle Paul instead. Because the name, the name was more a reflection of the character. And so to do something in Jesus' name is a whole lot more than just standing there saying, in Jesus' name. You have to understand to do something in Jesus' name, you have to do it in His character or you're doing it in word only. And if you really want to have authority over the devil, if you really want to have authority over the, 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 the evil spirits, and if you really want to have authority over destruction and all of those things that would come against you, you have to have a rule of life. You have to have the character of Christ in you in order to exercise that authority. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us in all of this church. So when Paul said to the new man of the church of Colossae, whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of Jesus. He was saying, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it in Christ's character. If you want the world to see the new man, if you want the world to glorify the Father, he has, they have to see the new man, church. They have to see something different in you. I want you to clearly understand that, 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 that the world saw something different between Jacob and Israel. They saw something different between Saul of Tarsus and Paul the Apostle. There was something different. And the reality is if this world can't see a difference in you, if they can't see the new man in you, if, if they don't look at your life and, and say, Whoo, he lives differently than, than the rest of us. There's something different there. Uh, something's happened in him. Something's happened in her. If they can't say that, there's something wrong. There's something wrong, church. And we need to seriously examine that. Listen, part of the story that I want you to... I want to focus on the last couple minutes that I have here. When Saul of Tarsus became Paul, was on his way to Damascus. You know the story. Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians, arrest them, and possibly even kill some of them, if not imprison them or beat them and flog them. But on the way, we know that God got a hold of them. 
God knocked him off of his horse, a bright shining light came down, a voice spoke to him and blinded him for three days and sent him on his way to Straight Street to meet up with a man named Ananias, whose name, by the way, means grace of God. And I want you to understand that every one of us in our life, for our life to change, we've got to come in contact with the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we can't change. We can't do it on ourselves. But he encountered the grace of God through a man named Ananias and his whole life changed. During those three days that he was blind, guess what happened? Saul of Tarsus passed away and Paul, the apostle, became new. During those three days, old things passed away and all things became new in Paul's life, church. Saul no longer existed. Paul was the new man. And, and, and what I want to focus on is in Acts chapter, 9, or Acts chapter 9, verse 21, when the people of Damascus, who were petrified of Paul, or Saul, by the way, because they knew his reputation, they knew how mean he was and how evil he was and how prosecutorial he was, They knew that their life could be at risk if Paul or Saul of Tarsus came into town. But these same individuals, they said to one another, after Saul became Paul, the Bible says that immediately he began preaching the gospel and testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these same individuals in Damascus began to say to one another, is this not the same man who caused such destruction and devastation among the Jews? Is this not the same old man that was coming to arrest us and imprison us? Isn't this the same old man that held the cloaks of the the individuals who stoned Stephen to death? Isn't this that same old man that brought devastation and destruction wherever he went? And here they see him preaching the gospel. Here they see him testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. Here they see a new man. Isn't this the same man? Listen to me. If the world isn't saying that about us, something's wrong. If the world isn't saying, isn't that the same individual that used to come to work drunk? Isn't that the same individual that used to look at pornography every time we got a break? Isn't that that same individual that used to cuss up a storm and speak evil against his wife? Or isn't that that same woman that I used to, uh, used to see hanging out at the bar with some strange man? Isn't that the same woman that I used to see sleeping around? Isn't that the same guy that used to lie, cheat, and steal his way through life? If the world isn't saying that, church, something's wrong. The world has to be able to say, look, they used to live that way. But they're not living that way anymore. They used to live like I lived. Used to talk like I talked. Used to act like I acted. Used to do the things that I did. But something's happened. What, what happened? They got a new rule of life established in their life. And our heart's desire and our heart's goal should be to have the world say the same thing they said about Paul. Isn't this the same old man? And I'm not referring to age. But they were saying, isn't this the same old man that used to do all that? And now he's preaching the gospel. Now, now, he's, uh, now he's sharing Jesus Christ. The world needs to say the same thing about us, church. And that's what it means. Whatever you do in word and in deed, do it in the character of Jesus Christ. Do it to glorify Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can do that is by establishing a new rule of life in our life. And training ourselves in it on a daily, weekly basis, church. We cannot ignore the new man. The new man needs sustenance. The new man needs direction. The new man needs something to cling to and hold to so that the new man can glorify the Father. How many of you want to glorify the Father? How many of you want the new man to be seen in your life? I want you to stand up as we pray. And here's what I want to close with. Now I'll have you come to the music and play, but... Two scriptures that I want to read. Because what you're going to be praying tonight is that very thing. God, I want to glorify you. I want the new man to be seen in my life. But in order for that to happen, I've got to commit to to establishing that new rule of living in my own life. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government or the rule of life will be on his shoulders. The government where the rule of life shall be on his shoulders. And I read that simply to tell you that if Jesus isn't your boss, if Jesus isn't your authority, if the government that he placed, listen, 
If anyone deserves to be in charge, it's Jesus Christ. If anyone deserves to sit on the throne at the right hand of the Father, it's Jesus Christ. He took it all on his shoulders, and it's exactly why God put the government on his shoulders as well. He bore the burdens, the sin, the sickness, the shame, the humiliation. We learned all of those things, the trade that he made. And because he was willing to make that trade, God said to his own son, Okay, son, sit right here at my right hand, and the government of heaven will now rest on your shoulders. And every individual that yields themselves to that government will be part of this kingdom. And they shall surely live. They will not perish. They will not be made naked. They will have nothing to be ashamed of. They will not be exposed to humiliation or devastation. But when the day comes that they stand before me, they'll be able to look me in the eyes, not put their head down in shame or humiliation. But because they made Jesus their Lord, because they established a rule of life in their life, they're going to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest that's been prepared for you. If you want that rest, you want that peace, you want to glorify the Father, we must strive, church, to feed the new man and to establish every day this rule of life in our own life. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Father God, that you have made all of these trades that we've learned over the last several weeks. Most importantly, we thank you tonight that there is a new man that you have placed inside of every single one of us. And Father God, if we're all honest with ourselves, there's times that we struggle with making that new man visible to this world. So often, God, we revert to old ways and old rule books and old habits and old thoughts and old activities. So often, Father God, we don't feed that new man like we should. We don't, we don't train that new man like we should. We don't equip that new man like we should. We don't feed that new man like we should or exercise that new man like we should. So God, tonight we're asking that you would just feed that new man like he's never been fed before. God, I pray that you would strengthen that new man by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that you would encamp about that new man, that you would revive that new man, and that you would empower that new man, Father God, so that this world, God, that is lost and dying can see that new man in us and give glory to you. I pray that our life, God, each and every day would bring glory to you because we've established this rule of life in our lives individually. Now, God, I, I, I just want to praise you and thank you that you have summed up your rule of life very simply and that is this is that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart with all of our mind with all of our soul and with all of our strength and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves and you yourself said that if we do these things we shall surely live so we ask God that you would help us to be that to love you with all of our hearts Love you with all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, Father God. I know, Father God, that we can't live by the whole law, because if you live by the law, we'll die by the law. But we can live by a rule of life, Lord God, that, that, that should be priority. So that's what I'm praying tonight, God, that your rule of life would become priority among your people. That above everything else, God, we would guard our hearts and we would walk by your rule of life so it would go well with us. And so that we would not be disappointed. So empower us, I pray, by your word and by your spirit. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said... Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. I, I, I'm getting used to some of this music. You know, I didn't have this for a number of years, this music playing at the end of the service. So I want to take advantage of it. If you have a special need, prayer, I'd like to tarry with you, pray with you, pray over you. Otherwise, I'd like a, just a closing song that we can worship God and then go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not just in word, but in character. But let's just close out with a song and then we can go.
worship them, church. Amen.